In this 29th chapter of the book of 1 Chronicles, David said a prayer. That should not be a surprise. He is known for many things throughout his storied life in the Bible, as a king, a warrior, a shepherd. But he's also known as the one who prayed and sang and spoke the poetry of the faith. His prayers are found throughout the books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, not to mention the 75 psalms that are attributed to him. The fact that we hear his prayer today is not a surprise. What's interesting is that this is the only time he prayed during a stewardship campaign. And as much as this may be a timely word for us during our own generosity campaign, there is something about this prayer that we really need to remember every day. In prior verses, David had just received from God the blueprints and materials list for how to construct the grand and glorious temple of God in the city of Jerusalem, replete with gold and silver and bronze and materials imported from afar. Because building it would require sacrifice and generosity, it would require inspiration for people to give of their financial means. So, in the prior chapter, David stood before the people and announced that God had given them this amazing privilege and responsibility. In my mind, he used a line that many preachers have used in their stewardship campaigns. Well, fellow Israelites, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we already have everything we need to build this amazing temple for God. The bad news is it's currently in your wallets. I mean, that, that was a hard enough ask, but it was made even more difficult because of this. David knew that he himself was preparing for a temple that he himself would not be around to build. God told him that it was his son Solomon and that generation that would be the one to bring this vision to reality. So David's difficult ask was made even harder God is calling us to give even though we may not be around to see its fruit. God is calling us to carve a future that we may not be around to claim. That had to be the hardest sell of all. I mean, set aside the astonishing amount that David was trying to raise, literally billions of dollars in modern-day equivalents. He and the Israelites needed to find some motivation to give apart from the usual reasons. I will admit that I felt more burdened about this current generosity campaign than any other in my 25 years of ministry. Part of that burden comes from the economic uncertainty that, that many of us are facing as we emerge from this global pandemic. Part of that unease comes from the budgetary realities that, that every church is now facing when it comes to planning for next year. A part of it comes from national trends that suggest that people who stepped away from regular church engagement during the pandemic are slow to re-engage. I mean, these are all concerns for me, but they're not the biggest thing that I've been wrestling with. For the last several months, what I've been most wrestling with is how to get us to a deeper place spiritually in our motivation to give. To give out of faithfulness to God, rather than out of an expectation from God. 
It's much easier for us to feel motivated to give if we can see what we are getting in return, right? We might call it a transactional motivation. I give and I see what I get. And it usually, at least subconsciously, is marked by three little words, as long as. I give as long as I get something in return. I give as long as I can see how my money is making a difference. I give as long as I know that my money is being spent wisely and well. I give as long as I know that God is pleased with me, and that my faith is growing, and that, I, that I've done my duty. I give as long as it makes me feel like I've done my part. These are all very reasonable motivations, widely practiced by churches and nonprofits and, and advocated by church stewardship consultants, including the one who's been working with us. And that's why we are eager to share with you stories of the impact that your generosity is making all throughout the year. It's why I hope that you signed up for and receive the daily emails from now until November 14th. It's why every financial decision we make as a church is done by teams of people, not just one person, and why we place such a high value on conducting and passing annual audits by an objective third party. And that's why I've said many times that if you want to grow in your faith and your commitment to God, you have to surrender your finances to God. And I know that implicit even to that statement is a transactional premise. I give as long as I can grow in my faith. I get the transactional motivation for people to give. And as we've done every year, we, we want to check all of those boxes for you again. But as I have wrestled deep in my own spirit for months about this, I want to let you know that God is calling us to a deeper motivation to give than just the transactional. And that's why this prayer by David in 1 Chronicles 29, 10-14 just hits me between the eyes. Particularly verse 14. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? Since everything comes from you, we have given you that which comes from your own hand. Do you see the words as long as in that verse? Nope. That's because there is no transactional motivation in what David is saying. Instead of as long as, David is saying because. I give because everything I have belongs to God to begin with. Nothing that we own has come from us. It has come from God, and we are simply stewards, caretakers of God's generosity. Just like a child buys a gift for her parent with money that her parent has given to her, God has given us both the freedom and the means to give. Now, if that sounds like a hard sell, and a weird reason to give to God, I get it. I'd love to imagine that soon after David gave his speech, a family went up to David and said, wait a minute, I don't buy that line one bit. My family's treasures came to us at a high price. We earned that money. 
It literally cost us blood, sweat, and tears in the battles that we fought for this people. We've earned it. But we have no record of anyone saying that. I imagine another person could have come to David to say, look, I'll give as long as the temple has this feature or that feature. Here, here are our preferences. And if you go in a different direction, I'll just take my money elsewhere. But that's not in the Bible either. I imagine another person could have come up and said, I'll give as long as you promise it will bring me joy or good fortune or comfort in knowing that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Give me that, King David, and I'll stroke you a check right now. But that's not what David promised. Friends, I come to you today with the haunting realization that the only thing I can promise you, the only thing I should promise you, is that which may be hardest to hear. Nothing you own is really yours to begin with. It all belongs to God. God gave it to you. And because God gave you the freedom and the capacity to be generous, we have the privilege of carving a future for this church even though we may not be around to claim it. We don't give as long as. We give because. Because it all belongs to God anyway. I think that's why over these past few months, I've also come to understand John Wesley's three simple rules for money in a very different way. Maybe you've heard his three rules for money. I've, I've shared them before. So have preachers here before me. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Sound familiar at all? Wesley said, first of all, earn all you can. There's nothing wrong with earning money or making an honest living, gaining as much as you can throughout your life. And he said, save all you can. Take a portion of what you earn and reserve it for times when you are most in need. Avoid unnecessary debt. Put money toward your retirement. Save all you can. We like those first two rules, and we wish Wesley had stopped talking. But then he said, give all you can. Take what you've earned and give it away for God's purposes in the world. Give it to those in need. Put it towards God's mission. Share it with generosity. It was Wesley's intent that when he died, he would have not a cent to his name, and that is what he did. Those are, those are three great rules for money, and it's good to remember them, especially during a generosity campaign. But, but then I read 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 14, and I realize something even deeper and more profound about our motivation to practice these three simple rules. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Because that's exactly what God has done for us. Everything in this world has been earned, created, and made by God. All the treasures of this world, all the richness, all the beauty, the capacity for joy, the blessings of our relationships, God made it. God earned it. And now God is doing everything possible to save it all 
to save all of creation, to save you, to save me, to save all of this broken and, and hurtful world, to restore it back to its original beauty and goodness. God went so far in saving everything that God sent Jesus Christ, God's very own son, to save us. But God is not content to just earn and save. God has now given you, given you everything you need, all that you have, all the beauty and goodness that fill your day, the joy of your relationships. Every dollar and cent in your name has come because God has not only earned all that God could and saved everything through Jesus, God has given it to you. And that's why David, the greatest poet and writer of prayers in the Bible, offers the prayer that he does in today's scripture reading. To you, Lord, belong greatness and power, honor, splendor, and majesty, because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you, David said. You are the source of wealth and honor, and you rule over all. And now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? Since everything comes from you, we have given you that which comes from your own hand. Let us pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your generosity that enables us to be generous. Thank you for your love that empowers us to be loving. And thank you for teaching us to give for no other reason than it all belongs to you anyway. Help us to earn all we can, to save all we can, to give all we can, just as you have done the same for the world. And as we fill out our estimates of giving, give us hearts of generosity and free us for joyful obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.